everyone. Welcome back to Central American Voices. This is Susan Garcia. Hola, bienvenidos a Voces Centroamericanas. Mi nombre es Alejandra Quiroz. Le agradecemos por sintonizarnos una vez más. Today we're going to talk with Pablo Raúl Peña, a Costa Rican Salvadorian, first-gen journalist living in and working in a public radio in Alaska. Uh, we're going to be talking about the career of journalism and mental health awareness as well. Um, thank you, Pablo, for being with us today. Thank you so much, Alejandra. My name is Pablo Araspeña. I am a journalist in Alaska. I have written for the Associated Press and National Public Radio affiliates in Texas and California. And um, right now, I um, I cover indigenous communities and education in Juneau, Alaska, um, in the southeast part of the state, which is also known as uh, Lingit Aani, uh, mm -hmm. to the Clinket people here, uh, who are the indigenous uh, people who uh, are have been here for thousands of years, and so I. Uh, where I am right now is indigenous territory, just like the rest of North America. And so, um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that, that this is where I am. And uh, these are the, the communities that I cover as a journalist. Yeah, perfect. And thank you for sharing that. Um, today, we're going to cover many, many topics. Uh, but first, I wanted to ask you um, about like your story. How was the decision and the path that you took uh, to become a journalist? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I think I was about nine or 10, I started a newspaper with my neighbor and friend across the street. And it was called the Jester Place Times because that was the street that we we lived on was Jester Place. And mm -hmm. we never printed more than one issue, but we delivered it to, I think, almost everyone in, in the neighborhood. And I grew up fairly middle class in a suburban in Dallas, Texas. Um, but as I grew up, uh, the more I grew up, the more mm -hmm. I started to see just how hard it is to fit in in um, you know North American society or what what's called the American dream when you're Central American, yeah. um, and it really does have an impact on our lives economically, socially, and culturally. You know because my my family immigrated from Costa Rica in the late '80s, but it was really never easy for us. I think. Being the youngest one in my family and the only one born in the States in, in my immediate family, so like my mom, my dad, and my brother, it, it made me see things a lot differently. You know, I could never really feel like I, it was really hard to feel welcome. And I think it, it was not, you know, my fault. I think I'd find creative outlets like movies and music and writing to escape that false notion that, you know, I was fitting in. And I think the the defining moment for my decision to be a journalist was when, I think it was when the protests against the SB 1070 law in Arizona mm. that allowed police to ask, you know, any brown person that they thought was undocumented for an ID. Mm -hmm. And I... I knew even though I was, you know, I was 19 or 20, I, I knew that 
that had an impact on on my community you know on on you know my my family my friends like it even though mm-hmm. i was in arizona i was in texas it would still you know if they if that law was you know would you know and if yeah. i think it would be it in other parts of the country it, it did you know there were other laws similar laws so mm-hmm. i went to a march in dallas and i remember there were tens of thousands of people there and i'd never seen a protest like that that like that and mm-hmm. i remember taking photos on my phone and i came back home to tell my family about it and i remember we were sitting at the at the breakfast table and they were really proud you know and i think it was like 2 years later i started writing for my college newspaper and mm-hmm. that's really how i got you know my my start in journalism mm-hmm. yeah Wow, that, that's a fascinating story. And, you know, like how you explain it, how, you know, it, it was not only because, you know, like since you started your news, the newspaper with your neighbor when you were like little, but I feel like the journalist was always part of you. Yeah, I and I don't want to say I was born a journalist because I don't think anyone's born into their yeah, career, but it's I think that I have been always naturally inquisitive or that's, that's what I've been Mm -hmm. told. You know, that's Mm -hmm. something that I, I feel like is, is a part of me. And Mm -hmm. so that natural, um, curiosity, you know, is, is, I think it's a, yeah, it's a part of me for sure. Um, yeah. And, and, and just to add about the protest, you know, I remember that, you know, it wasn't just Latinx people. I remember I, you know, I talked to an immigrant from Jamaica. I talked to an immigrant from, from the United Kingdom and, you know, so many, so many different people. And so I remember there that so many people had come out just for the Latinx community. Mm -hmm. This was, you know, 10 years ago, but that, that really impacted, you know, my perspective because I, I knew that it just being a witness to this was so, this event that was so much bigger than me. It, mm-hmm. it impacted me in, in a, in a really, in a really important way. Definitely. And I, and I like how, you know, like you say, um, growing up, you, you realize about the, this idea of the American dream and how the, uh, the still push you, you know, even to like, when you attended to the protest, um, I have heard about the law. I haven't read it uh, a much. I'll say um, 10 years ago, I wasn't even in this country. So gr- moving here and like just listening to those stories and like about what happened over there in Arizona, it makes you f- like have fear when you are like a person of color, of course. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, it's very important, you know, not only like persons like you and other journalists who cover and were inspired by that, but at the same time, all the organizers who have been there and worked, you know, like the ground in order to, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's not the word appeal, but like fight against the law, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly profiling in this. So it's, it's sad because it's, literally is tackling or you know is is focused on our communities and how you said like you knew that w- that was let's say like the law 
who have gone through across the country will have made like so much it will have been so much like danger to not only our community but like to others of course and i'm glad that you know you touch upon how you know you march you talk to other you know immigrants like you know from jamaica from the united kingdom because um the idea of immigrants sometimes people just think that it's immigrants coming from um mexico and central america and, and sometimes like south america because that's the idea that people think uh that that's only migration we have however yeah. we we have so many migration uh you know, across the board, you know, like it is, we have so many communities from, you know, Europa, from Asia, from Oceania and ev everywhere. And as, as sometimes people explain it, like the United States is an entire country of built on migration. Of, there's so many diversity here. And for someone to be just doing profiling on only brown people was, you know, something dangerous because it's at the same time, I feel like it was mainly focus on those specific communities however not understanding what's the entire story of migration which at the end you shouldn't be questioning if someone has paper or not they're like people should be allowed you know to migrate for their own future for their own safe of life and um i'm glad you know like that opened your eyes and i feel like every journalist and every person has that turn point you know like you have that yeah. one moment that you 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 realize right yeah. and i'm sure um as a journalist you have come through you know many sensitive stories many you know i yeah. you work with indigenous people which is sometimes those stories are not appreciated sometimes um you work with with other media where don't appreciate your work just yeah. for the person you are and um, as we're talking to you as well about mental health, how does your mental health plays a role in sometimes in, in some journalism ta task? Well, I think my mental health has been a blessing and a curse throughout my whole life. So as I mentioned before, I always had a rough time fitting in in middle class North American society. So a lot of my friends growing up weren't middle class you know mm -hmm. as a teenager i also fell into some pretty risky situations i got mm -hmm. into trouble with with the law with police you know all for things that were really harmful to me more than anyone else you know i was i was incarcerated a few times probably the the worst the worst time was when I was arrested for having over-the-counter medications and that the cops thought was ecstasy. So uh, they pinned me to the ground, they searched my bag, and they arrested me for a felony attempt to distribute a uh, controlled substance. And for two years, what? yeah, for, for two years, I was in uh, juvenile detention on probation in a hospital or doing community service um, or in school, you know, um, until they finally tested the pills and they proved that it wasn't ecstasy. And that was, that was about half, half of my high school. That was half of high school. Wow. Yeah. And so I did have a lot of family support. Um, I over, I overcame that very 
I would say I would call it probably the mo- one of the most oppressive um, times in my life. Um, and by by that time, I was, you know, my late teens, early twenties. I didn't realize just like how traumatized I was from all of that. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't understand how trauma worked. Like I just mm-hmm. like like I had been to the hospital, but it was like more of sort of like a disciplinary um, sort of situation where the, you know, I was told I needed to be in treatment. And, and so the trauma is what really, I feel like it, it held me back. You know, I, I, I just didn't know how, how hard, how much it it would impact me. And so I, I did, you know, have a fam, a lot of family to help me with, mm-hmm. with that, you know, but I, um, it was hard. It was hard for everybody. And, and I did, I, you know, I studied, you know, in school, I studied really hard. I, I got into a decent college, you know, after, you know, barely graduating high school, like i just barely made it and then I got into I went to a community college and then I went to I got into University of North Texas and I found found my way to journalism and I think maybe part of it was out of almost like fear mm-hmm. or you know it was like journalism to me is like empowering and mm-hmm. you know it it's like I have I, you know, even though, you know, I've, I've had, you know, these experiences with authority figures, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the inspiration of being empowered for myself mm-hmm. and if anything, just having the, the authority for myself to ask questions and to challenge uh, the other authority is that that's the kind of empowerment that 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 I wanted, and that's what i I felt that I could i guess find safety in 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 that empowerment and so i i i don't I'm sure I don't have to preach to the choir here, you know, but mm-hmm. I know that you know, from what I've seen and all the things that I saw when I was, you know, incarcerated, you know, how systemic racism and economic and social inequities are sustained by the sense that so-called average Americans have to be Mm -hmm. safe, you know, like, you know, or whatever the propaganda and like white working class Mm -hmm. that you know, have really created so much more division in in, in the United States. Um, in a way, I think that 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 culture that I want, you know, that dominant bully culture. I really, I think it's it's like a bully culture that is really the worst and the ugliest parts of our society that criminalize mm-hmm. criminalizes people like like me, people like us, you know, Central Americans, migrants, you know, first gen, that p- part of society mm-hmm. also brought out the best 
in me because I knew that I had to be on my best behavior. You know, I was always worried about my future. And so many, so, so many other things happened, you know, so many experiences, good and bad, but on, you know, on the bright side, I have a lot of positive things going for me. Mm -hmm. And so now I've been working as a journalist for almost 10 years and I've written for the Associated Press and national public radio stations. And now I'm a reporter in Alaska mm -hmm. and always try to remind myself that I dug myself out of the hole that was, you know, that really oppressive time. And I, mm. and I did that because I knew that I had to build a better life for myself. You know, mm -hmm. my family, my family migrated here to, to build a better life for me. And I have to, I, I don't know, I guess maybe, you know, it's, it's a, a part of my experiences and a part of, you know, my, my family history and my trauma that really shaped me, you know, and that's why, that's why I'm here. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like, like I told you before, and uh, thank you for being open because a lot of people don't try to keep it to themselves. Um, we, of course, we're going to keep talking about, you know, the mental health, but I want to just tell everyone who's listening how um, sometimes topics when you can, you know, like Pablo's explains about trauma, we don't, sometimes we, in our community, sometimes we just, I mean, people go through it, but sometimes people don't see that it's actually affecting them. And um, I'm glad, you know, like Pablo realized it and how important it was you know to seek help and then later we're going to talk how you know how he seek help and everything um but i think it's very important to talk about you know in situations like that you know like mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. wouldn't think that you know oh because of having a pill over mm -hmm. the counter um in your car it's going to criminalize someone you know, and it's going to make you go through that, you know, like, um, yeah. it, it, it is, you know, as you said, it's an over the counter medication, which many people have access to it yeah. and, you know, having that confusion. And of course it's that confusion I'm going to put in like quote unquote confusion because those confusion is often to people like, you know, like us, like people of color that, yeah. They tend to question, oh, are those actually pills? Are those actually, you know, candies? Are those actually, I don't know, yeah. anything you can imagine? Yeah. We get asked those questions and, and you live with that fear, you know, like the fear that, that you had to go through. And you said it was half of your high school. It is, it, it's a long time. That is a long time for you, for someone to experience that way. And yeah. I always tend to think at the same, uh, of course, think about not only, you know, like how we get criminal criminalized um, just for anything, you know, like for anything that we have on how we dress, if we have a tattoo, if anything, to be honest, anything yeah. and how our brothers are from, um, you know, african-american community how could they get criminalized just because of any any movement if they have a sweater 
if, if they walk in the dark anything yeah. and of course you know like or afro latinos too it that they sometimes they don't get acknowledged as well that their struggle is, is real in uh it, it just for little things like that mm. people don't realize how yeah. you know systematic of course we, we, it's a system of racism and like not only in the in the age area of security and the age of school and yeah. it's, it's everywhere you know it's, it's yeah. just like a toxic nasty thing in like the entire system but yeah. i feel like we we don't see that that actually affects our mental health yeah. that like the the struggle that you have to do the pain that you have to go through the fear that is every day there and the lack of resources that our our community has you know like yeah. the lack of you know um of going to your mom or going to like, you know, like I felt this way. And then now like I have fear to be around that. I fear to have things like, you know, pills, like ibuprofen, you know, again, yeah. um, when you were telling me the story, I can only imagine I, I drink, um, pills, you know, ibuprofen just, you know, for like, if something, you know, this is my menstrual period, right. Uh, this is normal for every yeah. woman to take, you know, pills for, for pain, but yeah. I just, for how them, someone's going to criminalize me. Like, it, it, you know what I mean? Is, is is disgusting to think how the system has criminalized everyone and it is always people of color and the effect that has people don't acknowledge it and yeah. of course i have told pablo how i'm so glad and thankful for her for him to be open at, to talk about it because there's people who are going to say like oh yeah i i went through that and does it and it's like no it's not that's it because those like you're gonna have those things stick on your like in you if you don't if you don't talk about it if you don't seek for help if you don't yeah. go to the right people is going to affect you and it's going to not only affect you to your family to your like in your in your career it's going to affect you one day and that's that's how mental health is that we sadly in our community we don't it's not open to talk about yeah. and i think it's a huge huge mistake because we have seen it years later how it's like okay i feel like now like i have seen that the topics brought more you know because like i said maybe the trauma the Pablo experience you know is i mean it's it's, it's huge by the way mm. and we're going to talk you know to to more mdf and other things um but we also gained trauma from our parents, you know, for migrating mm -hmm. uh, from parents who experienced wars, you know, like guerras over there in Central America, from parents who experienced, you know, like violence for from gang violence for, you know, um, abuse or anything. You take it with yourself, you know, you grew up like that. And, and it is important to talk not only about, of course, trauma is important to talk to any specific, you know, and always seek help. Um, as Paolo, I wanted to ask you, I know it's not easy to seek help, uh, but how was your experience? Yeah, so um, I'm going to be a little bit more open now. And I'll yeah. say that... Um, I've been combating complex PTSD on top mm -hmm. of depression and anxiety for most of my adult life. And so seeking help has always been a really 
tough choice for me because I just, you know, a lot of people talk about divisiveness in society. And I think the most harmful divisiveness is in ourselves because I think that this is, and this goes for, you know, not just society in, in, in the Americas, you know, whether it's North, South or Central America, I think it's just generally, it's just being open about, about mental health can be stigmatizing, you know? And even nowadays when people seem to be more open about it in digital spaces, the world, you know, the world outside those spaces is a lot less accepting of people Mm -hmm. who deal with mental health issues than, and that can be debilitating, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I've had a lot of serious episodes um, since, you know, that, that rough time. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had to go to the hospital. I've had trouble with school and work. Um, I but I keep trying to get help as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it even if it puts me in, in medical debt, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. it's like it's hard to like it's hard to accept that I have to you know I have to do this. But you know, it, it I know that it feels so much worse to pretend like I'm not deeply hurt Mm -hmm. and affected by all of these all of these traumas than it is to admit that I am and I and I think that you're you're so right about about generational trauma and that's you know one thing in you know in the stories that I've written and the people that I've talked to in our communities you know that is probably the one common denominator with everyone in the Central American community is that we mm-hmm. carry these really complex issues. And we, you know, I think it's, you know, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think mm-hmm. it's that, that, that common denominator is, I think is a good start mm-hmm. for people, you know, who are, the you know the families and the and the kids and you know the future like the the one common de- denominator is that we have traumas that is specific to our community and I think that I mean on the on the individual level you know I've I guess I've kind of written like a a, a it's like yeah I would I would call it like a short list a plan of how to seek help and i think that the first thing to do is acknowledge that we have that we have this trauma and the second thing i think would be to process that and processing Mm -hmm. means talking about it you know being open and not denying that this is this is a pain in our, you know, it's a pain that we have in our, in our hearts and in our, in our minds, you know, and, and processing that. And then the third step I think would be to treat, treat that pain. However, you know, it can be medications, therapy, going for a walk outside, you know, it can be whatever you know in 
so far in my journey seeking help, I've realized that it really is about advocating for yourself, you know, and if you, you have to advocate, you know, whatever trauma you have, you just, that's what I've, you know, I've been, the, the medical professionals I've talked to, it's just about, you know, this is where I'm at. This is how I feel. And this mm-hmm. is what I need. So, you know, I think that if that helps anyone who's listening, I really hope it does because it just, it's what I think it's so important for us to like keep each other alive, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, thank you for sharing the list because I, I know if someone like listening to this, someone needs to know how to start and probably looking and doing a self-check like I always do, like do self-check how you feel. And it's very important. Like, just like I said, is I think that's the first step to seeking help is, of course, acknowledging that you have a problem. Like, it's not like bad to say that, you know, yeah. like, oh, you know, it's, it's not bad. Don't feel that you're going to be criticized or you're going to be, you know, like, someone's gonna say like ah nah like i don't think you have like don't don't think that your feelings are valid your emotions are valid and it it is true how you say that is you have to make that first step to in order to continue and as um you know pablo and i had a like a call long time ago you know to talk about all this because even though it, it, it is a topic that should be, you know, open to everyone. Sometimes can be very, you know, touchy and sometimes can affect, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. it's personal, you know, it's personal at once, yeah. but it should, we should have more conversations like this. And I remember telling him how, like, I mean, as you guys know, I immigrated here like a long time ago. So it's something that I never crossed my mind, right? Like, Oh, what is mental health until like honestly until right now like i'm I'm almost 23 <laughs> it right. was going to 24 actually and um i'm have i'm thinking about like all those points in time that that have not only like me ha marcado la vida but like mm-hmm. that have made me feel like certain you know way and that i know that until today it's still a battle. And if I, you know, like want to share something, I, if someone feels, you know, um, and relate, related to this, it's like my parents got divorced and I was like mm. the, f- the, you know, like I was like, como le dicen la niña consentida de papa. Mm. And that really affected me. And I never realized how, you know, like it was going to, I know it, like it affected me at the moment, of course, mm-hmm. like the pain, I'm not going to live with my dad or like, I'm not gonna see him anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 I know that some things that you you think I was I was 12 at the time, and yeah. and you think about it, and you're like, okay, you know, like your mom said, everything's going to be fine. You know, like don't worry, you so he's still your dad and everything. But I remember how like my grades went down. Like I was one of the students who was always like on the like, cuadro de honor back in Honduras, and my grades went down in my mm-hmm. my teacher actually called my mom and was like what's going on with Alejandra mm. like I, I was like well I'm, I'm doing the same like you know what I mean but like <laughs> I didn't realize that I wasn't putting the same effort because I felt like I mean you think that your your life ended that day that your parent left your house yeah. you know yeah. it, it, it's the people who have gone through you know divorces it, it is like that it, yeah it's like a storm 
Exactly. And then after that, I moved to the United States, right? So the reason why I moved to here was because, you know, my parents divorced and it was going to like a lot of um, fights and like legal situations. And then my mom decided to just have, you know, and we moved here and that add up. Like now I'm in a new country. I don't know the language. I don't have friends, you know, like at that point. Yeah. I'm I don't know when I'm going to go back and it 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 affects you and I, I was like well you know like of course I'm going to be sad you know because I, I cannot see my family of course yeah. like it, it's those I thought that I'd had like at the time like oh, it's normal but now I see it and like sometimes like people ask me like oh you know like oh, why, why don't you want to get married I'm like oh because I don't want to like get divorced you know and it still affects you i'm like oh damn you know like that did affect me more in depth yeah. than what i thought you know like um of, I'm, it's not that like in the future i don't want to get married it's like i would have the thought like well i don't want my kids to go through that you know yeah no i mean that's valid that's valid that it happened like i i i totally i i know what you mean because i, I my my family divorced, but it was as an adult, and mm-hmm. you know I think that yeah it it's it's so hard seeing it, and you know they always tell you you know it's not your fault, but you know, it mm-hmm. always you always like for me anyways I mm-hmm. it's 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 still in the back of my mind like I I just mm-hmm. you know did I do something wrong like I just you know exactly. it's it's always there but. I was going to say, and like, you know, personally for me, I feel like where I affected the most was when to actually be able to have like another relationship, you know, like um, I'm with, I have been with my boyfriend for like over three years now. But at the time when I met him, I didn't want to be around any guy, you know, because I was like, well, not even my dad wanted to be around me, you know, like it, it was that thing. And um, he knows that he like, if when he met me, I wasn't like, even though I had a, like, what, like when I met my boyfriend was like six years after I moved here, you could have said like, oh, ya pasaron you like six years, like you're good. You know, like the, whatever you went through to like migrating, whatever you went through to your family, you already simulated. Nah, mm-hmm. it was still there. It, and it was still hard for me to even hug like a, you know, the guy that I was like falling in love, you know what I mean? Like it was hard to hug him. It was hard, hard to say like being open because it has been so many years. It's just been close, you know, like, yeah. oh, let, let me, like the same thing. Like, oh yeah. You know, like all guys are the same. And, and even my dad demonstrated the same thing to me, you know, and that still is something that we go through and still something that we need to speak about that we need to seek help. And I did that. No, I didn't know that Yeah. until, like I said, like the last year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it is, I, I feel like just speaking about it now that I could can go and say like, you know, to Susan, when I talk to her or to someone else, like, Oh, this is how I feel. I feel more like relief now that I can acknowledge that I, you know, it, I went through a phase of depression when, you know, of course, when I moved here and even when I was in high school, I had like so many like stages that 
it, it, it just came back. And I felt like just talking about it has helped me. And of, of course, uh, doing stuff that I, that keep me distracted and like being more on top of my, you know, like the things that I have to do, of course, right. uh, have helped me. And it's true how you said, like, even their walk helps. Um, many people would think like, oh, what exercise, what yoga, what meditation would do to me, like to my mental health? Like it's, you know, it would do a lot, yeah. a lot. Just as long as something that you enjoy dancing, singing, I don't know, go for a run, walk, swim. Yeah. It will I'm... make you feel more, I don't know more present yeah. to yourself something that helps i think mm-hmm, exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and you know with that of course um as we continue talking this uh we know in our community mental health is like almost never talk about it and it's something that is still taboo on to today till today sorry um and of course we need to have this conversation more often. Uh, but Pablo, how was your, your, your personal journey when it comes to like mental health? I know you touch upon like, you know, the trauma and the depression and all, all the you know anxiety that you have mm-hmm. gone through years, but like, if you can like explain how, you know, like you gave all this step, but like you always have those points where like you fell back and you have to restart. So how has been that journey to you? Yeah, um, my personal journey with mental health has been more about learning to level with myself. Um, I used to be almost like like against treatment, like contra, like I was just like like thinking that taking medications or going to therapy was only for people who I guess were, you know, quote unquote crazy. You know, they were, you know, that's what other, you know, I, I wouldn't call it, you know, that's, that's, that's what I thought at the time. And when I, when I realized that, you know, I needed, I needed treatment, you know, you know, and, and, you know, I fell back a lot, you know, and I, and it happened so frequently, you know, I started, you know, to realize that it was a much bigger problem than I, than I'd ever known. And I, I started the healing process. Like, I think, again, just to, to repeat, like, you know, being my own advocate and knowing what I could handle and what I couldn't handle, I think was, a you know, key, you know, to, my treatment and just mm-hmm. really like digging myself out of, out of that because it really, you know, it felt, I mean, for years, like I was like just always in the, in a hole, you know, mm-hmm. and I could never figure out how to dig myself out or it felt like I could never do that. But I, but when I advocated for myself and I told people that I, need help Mm -hmm. and i i will you know i'll do whatever it takes to Mm -hmm. to 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 feel better then that's when i really started on a on a on a path to healing and it takes years you know it's not you know it's not overnight it doesn't happen in two weeks you know it 
it's always it's it's forever you know it's treatment Mm -hmm. you know it's it always is it's a fight you know um Mm -hmm. like my mom my mom says um and i always remember that you know so definitely definitely it is true um what you said i feel like this is important for everyone to know that just because you go to therapy just because you go to you 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 seek for help and you're you know prescribed for medication it's not because you're crazy i think that's the that's a really wrong idea that we have grew up with it but no that does not make you crazy that makes you actually taking the step for you to heal taking the step for you to acknowledge what it has going you know to you and just of course, you know, trying to have, you know, like I said, se lucha por la vida is just to have a more open and more relaxed. I, I don't I don't know how to put it in words, but like life for yourself and, you know, just to keep fighting for yourself and being in a yeah. outside, like, good place. That's if, if, if you want to, like, synthesize it in yeah. that way. Um, and, you know, of course, thank you, Paolo, for all these tips and, you know, everything of sharing it because like i will continue saying it's, it's not easy it's not easy and i really really respect you and of course like i admire you for sharing this um i know your grandpa was very important to you and i know it has a very special place in your heart and of course to everyone in your family um if you can tell just just as much as you can like you know like a little bit of a little bit of his history and what was the story most meaningful to you and why is your grandpa so impactful in your life? Yeah. So my abuelo Carlos Maria Aras Aguilar uh, committed suicide in Costa Rica uh, in the late eighties. And this was about a year before I was born. Um, and he was a, so well-known, respected pediatrician, and also he worked in El Salvador as a paramedic, where he met my abuela Gloria. And um, from what my family has told me, he was a community healer in like the truest sense. You know, he he loved his homeland, Guanacaste, which is where I still have family. But mm-hmm. also. What I've heard is that he could never admit that he needed treatment for his depression because, you know, he had he had a lot of, you know, issues with mental health that, you know, I I I still don't know exactly like all of the things because, you know, it's just really hard, you know, especially for my dad and, you know, his son to talk about it. But when when it happened and after it happened, my mm-hmm. family kept it a secret for a very long time. And that's, I think that's because of the pain that it caused for my dad and mm-hmm. everyone else. So like when I, when I found out about it, I was 20 years old and I remember I was visiting my family and my cousin Gloriana told me, 
like it was almost just sort of like casually like oh you know because Abuelo Carlos he committed suicide like killed himself like I was like no I did not I had no idea and I was shocked you know and my brother was there too and we were both shocked and you know I think that that moment was so impactful for me it felt like I was living in the negative of my abuela's suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's only recently that I've really started to find some resolve, some resolution. Because I talked to my dad about it. And I was very careful and I was very open. And I asked him, you know, who was my grandpa? Who was mm-hmm. who, who was my abuelo? And what was he like? What is, you know, what did he enjoy? You know, I knew he was a musician and I knew he was a poet, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't really know, like, why did, you know, what, what, what happened, you know. And so, you know, I learned all these things, you know, after, after he passed away that people would go to my family they would visit my family and they would say you know you know you're you know like my abuelo carlos he he helped people in the community he helped he Mm -hmm. he treated them he was a he was a an incredible doctor you know pediatrician Mm -hmm. he helped people to survive you know and Mm -hmm. And and also my from one of my my godparents told me he he and my grandma they helped you know they contributed a lot to the healthcare system in Costa Rica which mm-hmm. is you know and you know in his life while he was still alive was mm-hmm. honorable and I think that that in the mm-hmm. end that that that's really any like I think in the end. At the end of the day, that's what is really important, you know, you Mm -hmm. know, in in life. I think, you know, he, he wasn't, he was really modest, you know, and so he, he went out even, you know, even though it was really tragically, he, he went out with honor. And I think that is the most that anyone can ask for, you know, in life. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um. I'll say thank you for sharing the story of your of your grandpa and um I know it, it wasn't easy uh to find out especially that way you know um knowing um that someone close to you you know like committed suicide even though you you lived you, you didn't met him in person but it's still you know like it's 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 the family who's close also um I, I know, you know, like you, your dad probably went through a lot when it comes to, you know, like um, your your grandpa, because I feel like parents or, you know, like in relation or the dads, sometimes they don't show, you know, like emotion. And, yeah. that, you know, that that's actual, you know, still we can talk about like problematic just because 
um, how society has it, like, oh, that a guy or a person needs to, like, um, a male needs to be, like, strong or, like, uh, just be tough on themselves. But yeah. it, it is something that, how can I put into words? Uh, it, it, I'm, I'm sure it did affect him and it, how we talked about, you know, yeah. If you don't, if you don't, you know, speak out or you don't talk about, you know, that will affect generations and generations. And yeah. I know, um, you know, like your grandpa, how you have said, like, uh, was an amazing, you know, pediatrician and who helped people. And I'm glad people can remember him like that, you know, yeah. like, like someone who did good, like someone who helped others. You know, there's someone who play a role immensely in Costa Rican, you know, health system. And yeah. that's how, you know, people, you know, I'm glad that's how they remind, you know, remember him. And doesn't matter, you know, like, I mean, I know it, it does, but like the way he, you know, he passed away. But at the end, I feel like we sh everyone should be reminded of the good, like the good that they have done here yeah. what you said uh, especially about about men mm -hmm. you know that being open about mental health mm -hmm. is it can be a very toxic habit and when i talked to my dad about it when i asked him he admitted you know it was not it was not a good idea to just keep it a secret and he mm -hmm apologized for that you know mm -hmm. and i forgave him for it and i think that that you know that conversation was more healing for me than mm -hmm. most therapy and i think that that is probably the most you know it's, it's just just that being able to communicate emotions is mm -hmm. so hard for like you know, for, for men and for, I think for, you know, it's just for I, the, mm -hmm. really for men, but for also for people who, who just don't want to admit that it, it's okay to be vulnerable, you know? And I think that mm -hmm. we, we overcame that and, you know, it started a new path for healing in my family. And I think that that is, yeah. I think that that's that's really important to remember from it's I think it's it, it, it's important for me to remember that I I can get through this you know I don't have to end up like my abuelo Carlos you know mm -hmm. so yeah definitely and I'm glad like you and your dad had the conversation and of course uh, uh, it, it was helpful and like meaningful at the at the time, but I know uh, uh till today you still remember it, that conversation, and I know yeah. it helps you. And I'm glad. Um, yeah. I know you have a very special thing to share with us, which is a poem from your grandpa. So I'll give you, you know, space for you to share it. I'm gonna read a poem from Verolis y Poemas Sentimentales, which is um my my grandpa's book of poems it's uh by carlos maria Arauz Aguilar, and i think that probably 
I, you know, I, I'm still get, getting through the, the book of poems, but I think that mm-hmm. this one, especially, is called Chocoyas. And it's about being a poet from Guanacaste, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, if the listeners don't know, Guanacaste is the uh, northwest province in Costa Rica, which is right on the border of Nicaragua. And mm-hmm. that's I, that, a lot of my family is from there. Uh, and so I'll, I'll read this in, in Espanol. And I'm, I'm sorry if you don't speak Espanol, but like for the listeners, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't I haven't translated the poems yet. So I'm sorry about that. But, um, it's okay, it's okay. Yo nací poeta, poeta guanacasteco. Sin sospecharlo, yo nací. Tercero, dulce al amor, como el elote tierno. Fui flor abierta, del llano ya reseco. No tuve espinas, ni chutiles negros. Y allá, en los llanos, sin saber quién era, chocoyas puse en todos los infiernos. Como todo poeta, al terminar la feina, me bajé. Sonriendo, el toro y yo en finas gotas de sudor envueltos. Dulce al amor, como el elote tierno. Puse en los potros, espuelas a los vientos. Yo nací poeta, poeta guanacasteco. Sin sospecharlo, yo nací tercero. Dulce al amor, dulce al amor, como el elote tierno. And that's it. Wow, that's really beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing it. That's such a beautiful poem. Yeah, thank you for for giving me the chance to read it. No, thank you for, you know, sharing that with us and, you know, bringing a little bit, you know, of your family, of you to to this podcast. You know, we want, this is what it's about to share, you know, everyone's Central Americans, you know, voices. And I'm glad, you know, to hear the piece of your grandpa. That is very special. Yeah. Muchísimas gracias, Alejandra, para, por, por esto, por, por todo esto. I really appreciate this. And yeah, um, thank you for all the listeners. Thank you. Thank you for being part and, of course, to, you know, being open. And thank you for sharing everything. Don't forget to check out our website at centralamericanvoices.com where you can subscribe to our mailing list. Also follow us on Instagram at Centown Voices Podcast and on Twitter at Centown Voices Pod for more updates. And don't forget to come back next week to hear our newest episode. Bye.